Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. How was your family time last week? You had some you had some family in town, so we had to we had to record separate segments for the show. How did how'd that go? It was it was good, you know. I had some family in town, so we 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 had a good night down in Tampa. We went to a little speakeasy in South Tampa. It was the kind of place where you gotta you gotta call ahead and get a password, and then you go to the door, and they're like they open this little window, and they're like, "What's the password?" And you tell them the password, and then you go in, and it's, you know, it's all like you're, you're stepping into like the 1920s. 1920s. Can you tell us what the password was? I mean, you, you haven't told us what the speakeasy is, so. The, well, the place is called Ciro's. Well, now you can't tell us the password. Well, the password changes. Oh, I see. For example, when we were, originally we were going to make a reservation and the password was one thing and then uh, we ended up, you know, we weren't going to be able to get a table until like 1230, so we weren't sure that we were going to go and then we ended up. We went to a restaurant and then we went to another bar and then we were like, well, we're right down the street and it's now it's like 1130, 12 o'clock. We might as well just go in there and see if we can get a table. And so we called ahead again and we got an, we got, it was a different password. So, you know, you got to be up on the password. You can't just, it's not the same password every time. I see. So the password changed. Can you tell us what the old password was? The original password was kinks. 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 Like the kinks. Like the kinks, you know, like... Girl, you really got me going. You know, that one. Yeah, that's that's the kinks. That's the kinks. It sure is. For the, people, wanna... for the listeners who are not up on the, the uh, 70s or late 60s rock and roll... Do you think there's the people kinks. listening that don't know that song? Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that there are people, I I don't want to say that don't know it. I'm sure everybody has heard that song. I am positive that there are people listening that know that song and don't know that it is the kinks. That's probably fair. That's probably accurate. There are probably some that, you know, hear that and they hear my Sharona and they think that that's the same band and they get the kinks and the knack confused. Yeah, well, the, the, the key is in the knack, the K is silent. Yeah, the other key is that when you're hearing my Sharona to look out for, you know, the burping noise so you can tell my Sharona from my Bologna. Right. And not to mention... parody. Not to mention the distinct lack of accordion in the original version of the song. Right. Well, this has been a lovely sidebar to keep us from talking about the Miami Dolphins, but we're a Dolphins podcast, so I guess we probably should dive into what the Dolphins have been up to. What's the fun in that? Well, listen, we're 12 weeks away from securing the number one pick. As of right now, the magic number is still 12, but hey, that's all right. That's okay. We're still cruising along, doing our thing. The, the tank is on. The tank is doing its thing. The Dolphins followed up 
their first three weeks by by returning back to Hard Rock Stadium and losing to the San or excuse I can't I still do this to me the they're wa- still the San Diego Chargers until they win something yeah well that's fair yeah they're still the San Diego Chargers until they win something that's good because they're uh, the same old Chargers as far as I'm concerned they really are I heard a, a couple years ago I heard somebody refer to the Chargers as sort of the Dolphins except the West Coast Dolphins and I think there's there's some accuracy to that. They're just they're the very... '90s Dolphins. The Philip Rivers Dolphins are the Dan Marino Dolphins. Yeah, they really are. They're really good. They're always there, thereabouts. They're always in the conversation, and their season always ends at least two rounds earlier than you would like it to in the playoffs. Very, very much like the the '90s era Miami Dolphins. That that's who the Chargers are. But they managed to come into Hard Rock Stadium and beat the Dolphins thirty to ten. So there's that. They've got that going for them. They, I mean, but they can't be that excited. I mean, of the four teams that have played the Dolphins so far, they beat the Dolphins by the fewest amount of points. Now, remember last week when we talked about how the Dolphins had made progress because they only lost to Dallas by 25? Well, now they only lost to the Chargers by 20. So they're still progressing here. They're still moving forward. So that's good, right? Uh, yeah, I thought there were things in this game. There were I I came out of this game encouraged, a little bit more encouraged than I had been, probably more encouraged than I have been all season. From talk the, about the, talk to us about that. Well, I thought for starters, run defense. We gave up something, you know, like three point four yards per carry. Now it's still concerning that whenever the opposing team has like a a second and short or a third and short and they run the ball, they're getting what they need to to get the first down. Or if they're down near the goal line, they're scoring. They're, we're not making it, in, you know, terribly difficult. But in general, the defense did a nice job containing the running game. Now Melvin Gordon didn't play. Uh, so it was mostly Austin Eckler and a little bit of uh, Justin Jackson in this game. It wasn't Jackson. It was Pope. Oh, it was Pope. That's right. But in general, the Dolphins' defense did a good job. I thought Devon Godshaw was constantly, you know, pushing his man back. I thought Christian Wilkins had a decent game. I didn't see him getting pushed around the way I saw him getting pushed around the last two weeks against New England, against Dallas. It's just, look, those two guys on the defensive line are going to do their thing. And if you've got another guy on the defensive line that's constantly getting beat uh, and constantly, you know, not setting the edge and getting pushed around, then it's going to defeat the purpose. So whether it's Avery Moss or John Jenkins or Charles Harris that's getting pushed around. It doesn't matter what Christian Wilkins and Devon Gotcha do because they're not going to run at those guys. They're going to run at the weak link. The other the other guy that I was really uh, encouraged by, Raekwon Mil- McMillan, who came into this week's game as the second-rated linebacker by Pro Football Focus when it comes to run defense, but he's been a part-time player the first three weeks because on passing downs, he's been coming out for Sam Egwavon. Well, Egwavon has been kind of a disaster so far, and Jerome Baker really hasn't played well either. So Raekwon McMillan got a higher snap count in this game, and he just continues to make an impact. Look, he's never going to be one of these linebackers that's great in coverage, but he does one thing really well. He stuffs the run. He attacks the running lane. He 
he meets the runner in the hole and he pushes them back. He is a legit middle linebacker. I don't know if he's the best fit for what we're trying to do defensively, but he's really good at what he does. And so there's value and he's definitely our best linebacker. Jerome Baker, on the other hand, has been disappointing. Sam Egwavon has been disappointing. We've seen little bits and pieces of whether it's, whether it's Beagle or, uh, I don't even know who else we've seen really at linebacker. Taco Charlton's playing, you know, the edge rusher when we go to the, you know, when we were playing mostly a 4-3. Charles Harris is playing edge rusher at a 4-3. They're not really playing linebacker. So it's really mainly those three guys with a little bit of Vince Beagle. We've yet to see Andrew Van Ginkle as he's working back from an injury. But Raekwon McMillan, clearly our best linebacker. Xavier Howard had a decent bounce back. He gave up some completions, but he didn't give up any big plays. He did get caught for another defensive panel, uh, defensive pass interference. That's been kind of something to keep an eye on is that while, I mean, look, last week he was dreadful in, and Amari Cooper totally got the best of him. But in the other games, uh, we've seen this propensity of Xavier Howard, uh, to get called for whether it's defensive holding or defensive pass interference, even though he's not giving up the big play. That's something to keep an eye on. Look, we're paying this guy to be an elite corner. I still believe he's very much an elite corner, but at this point right now, anybody that was ready to anoint him the best corner in the league or one of the top two or three corners in the league, you probably got to take a step back and say, look, he's he's had his flashes, but he is yet to really put together an entire season where from start to finish, he is literally the best corner in the league or a top three corner in the league. Even last year, if you remember, if you go back to it, he, he came out like a gangbuster in the, in the beginning of the year and had a, had a great start to it. And then he kind of waned in the middle of the year before getting it back together in the second half of the season. Uh, and ultimately it was a pro bowl year and it was much deserved and he, he's great and he deserved the contract that he got. But, uh, look, it, it bears watching. Uh, he has not been elite so far. He's been good in most of the games. I would say in three of the four games, he's been good. In two of the four games, he's been really good, but he's, you know, he's had, he's had a stinker and he's had one game where he hasn't been like amazing. So it, it bears watching to see whether or not, uh, Xavier Howard can be elite week in and week out. But aside from that, uh, I thought Kenyon Drake played well. Uh, Isaiah Prince at right tackle. One, blocked really well on the ground. And two, did not give up a sack. So that was really encouraging. The offensive line as a whole, I thought, had a really solid game. Uh, Rosen was sacked five times. I know two of them were all on Rosen, especially the one over by the goal line, which was just inexcusable because he had two guys open and he allowed himself to get sacked on the goal line, which very nearly turned into a safety. So I I thought the offensive line in general had a pretty solid game, easily their best game of the year. So I thought there were encouraging signs Devontae, Devontae Parker had a nice game catching all four of his targets, including a touchdown. Um, so yeah, I, there were, there were encouraging things, but the thing is, is like we said going into the season is we're treating this like a 16 game preseason. It's not about, uh, the end result because the end result's going to be bad m- most weeks, if not all weeks. 
Uh, it's about finding the little victories. It's about finding the individual performances and finding the players that we can build around. There are certainly things to be discouraged about. Josh Rosen was not, you know, was very up and down. Preston Williams is still dropping passes. Kalen Balaj is still Kalen Garbage. And Charles Harris, Jerome Baker, and Sam McGuavin look like absolute busts. But there was more to be encouraged about in this game than there has been in any of the games so far this season. What about Kalen Balage ducking out of the way of a pass that is coming to him? Did he do that again in this game? I just, I just, it's still sticking in my mind. He's this just guy. really, he has as many drops as he does catches. And, <laughs> and then he has that one that he ducked out of the way from. He has the one that he dropped that turned into an interception. And then he's averaging less than three yards a carry. And he can't break a tackle in spite of being you know, 230 pounds. It's just uh, really, it's really disappointing after he had that big breakout run in the game against Minnesota last year that sort of set everybody's expectations well, for him. literally for, his only good run as a pro. Right. And well, and that sort of everybody sort of bought into Kalen Balazs at that point and thought, oh, this is a guy that can, they can really make things happen. And just this season, he has just been an utter disaster. And uh, Mark Walton got a lot of playing time in this game against San Diego, and he looked significantly better than Kalen Balage. At this point, this look, Mark Walton got more snaps than Balage. Uh, Mark Walton outproduced Balage, both in total yardage and in average yards per carry, also in receptions and in receptions per, or yards per target, yards per reception. Mark Walton is. I mean, I would think without looking at the, you know, without them releasing the depth chart, I would think at this point, Mark Walton is significantly ahead of Kalen Balaj on the depth chart. And at this point, I got to think that Kalen Balaj is in, it, it is very, uh, he's very much in danger of getting passed by whether it's uh, Laird or Miles Gaskin, because at this point, He's just not giving you anything. He's been a net negative every time he's on the field. It's not like he's some great guy in like press protection either. I just, they're just, he's just not good. He, he is Kalen Garbage. He is in fact Kalen Garbage. So we have to talk about, I think, the largest sort of elephant in the room as you watch the Dolphins this season. And that is not the fact that the Dolphins currently have a net points of minus 137 points. The Dolphins point differential negative 137, which, what did you say? It's 150 so away. The worst, yeah. So the worst point differential in NFL history was recorded by the expansion Bucks, who went 0-14. It was a 14-game season, and they went negative 287 in your in their point differential. The Dolphins are 137, which puts them 150 points behind, which means that the Dolphins are very nearly halfway there through four games. So well, that's that's atrocious. But that is not the elephant in the room that I'm speaking of. The elephant in the room that has to be addressed is the fact that this Miami Dolphins team, four weeks into the season, has not scored a point in the second half of football games. So the question is at this point, is it just a colossal failure of Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea and the coaching staff in Miami 
to make adjustments and figure out a way to continue to produce in the second half. Because really, if you look at it, the past three games that the Dolphins have played against the Chargers, against the Cowboys, and against the Patriots, the Dolphins were competitive in the first half of all three of those games. And then in the second half, they came out and it was just a complete collapse at least from an offensive perspective. I mean, there's only so much the defense can do when the offense is completely inefficient. So my question is, what what is happening here? Is this, my thought was, there has to be, this has to be on the coaches to a certain extent. And I know the name of the game and you you do it, keep it within the context of the fact that this is not a team that is trying to win football games right now, theoretically. But, why is this team collapsing like this in the second half of games? Something they just to me, you got to point to the coaches and say, "Why is this happening? This is on you as much as it's on the players." Uh, well, look, the the coaching certainly isn't off the hook. Uh, when you haven't scored and you've been outscored, what is it like eighty-one to nothing through four games uh, in the second half? There's de- that's definitely something to look at, and it's a red flag. But you also have to consider that we are severely undermatched, especially in these first four games. Look, we came into the season bef- whether it was before we trade before we traded Minka Fitzpatrick, before we traded Laramie Tunsil, and we thought, hey, maybe this team has a chance to win four or five, maybe even six games. Uh, we still looked at the first four games and we said, look, that's going to be a really brutal stretch. There, we're still probably coming out of that 0-4 and, and we're still trying to install an offense. We're trying to install a defense, all those things. Um, so you do have to take into consideration the, the opponent because we've been playing for, we've played four really good teams. I know that, you know, Baltimore's two and two after their loss and the Chargers are two and two after starting one and two, but I believe that all four of these teams are playoff teams. And I think that from the where the Patriots are and where the Cowboys are, I think those are legit Super Bowl contenders. You could probably make the case for for the Chargers, although they they've started slow. But when you look at the fact that we're severely overmatched from a talent perspective in these first four games, you can do things when you're game planning to kind of catch the other team by surprise. And throw some things at them that they're not expecting and and maybe hang around in the game. When you go into halftime, look, everybody's gonna make adjustments and they're going to make they're going to adjust to what we're doing. Now, yes, part of it you you also have is well, we need to adjust to their adjustments. But when you're severely hamstrung from a talent perspective, there's only so much that you can do. And when the other team now says, look, all right, we've seen them take four drives. We've driven on them four or five times. We see what they're doing. Now we can adjust to it. At a certain point, talent takes over in the game. And you just need, like, there's really no, it just turns into, it's not as much about X's and O's and it's just really about the execution, not about the X's and O's, but about the, what is it? The Larry's and Mo's or the Larry's and Joe's or whatever. I just, and when it comes to the dolphins, it is the Larry's and Mo's because they are like the three, it's like, like watching the three stooges out there, uh, the 53 stooges. 
I think obviously, look, you got to be a little concerned because you got to make adjustments to the other team's adjustments. But I just think it's a talent thing. Uh, these teams are figuring out what the Dolphins are doing at halftime. And then it, it comes down to a little bit of execution because Josh Rosen, the, the last two weeks is not a, now the game against the Cowboys. I think you can kind of excuse the offensive ineptitude a little bit because you say, well, look, Jesse Davis got hurt. Uh, we've fallen behind in the game, so we've become one-dimensional, and we've got Michael Dieter playing left tackle, and Robert Quinn is just blowing by him. And it's just a turnstile, and now Josh Rosen's under pressure every single time he drops back. So you could almost excuse that. In this one... I thought Josh Rosen just was ineffective. Uh, he threw a really terrible interception. Um, and, and just, he made some poor decisions. He made some poor throws. He continues to, when he's got a clean pocket and time to throw, he makes some throws where down the field where you say, man, he, he's the truth. And then he goes and he throws a swing pass five yards over the guy's head. He rolls out and, he, you know, he, he's got two guys wide open and instead he takes a sack at the goal line, uh, where he almost fumbles and almost takes a safety. He throws an interception where his receiver is out of bounds. And the only guy that had any kind of chance at the ball was the defensive back. And you just kind of made you throw what that made you kind of wonder who the heck is he throwing the ball to? And then deep from the defensive perspective, look, the other teams figured out what we're doing defensively. They know where to attack us. Philip Rivers is a great quarterback. Uh, Dak, Re- Dak Prescott is certainly turning into a great quarterback. And from an offensive line versus defensive line perspective, we were totally overmatched in that game by the Dallas Cowboys. So, and, and then you're t- looking at the Patriots and then the, and then the week before against the Ravens where we were just wholly unprepared to, to play that game. The, these games, I feel like it was more about just the, a talent disparity. Um, look, you'd love to see us show a little bit more fight in the second half, but I think that's going to come when the talent gap is a little less. When yeah, you're this is the complete- brutal stretch. This yeah. is the brutal stretch of the schedule. It's over now. From here on out, the schedule gets a lot more forgiving for the Dolphins. I mean, those two games against Buffalo were looking a lot tougher than they did at the beginning of the season, but for the most part, the rest of the schedule sort of eases up. I think you've still got tough games against Philadelphia. You have a tough game against Cleveland. Uh, but largely, other than that, the schedule is certainly a lot more forgiving than it was these first four weeks of the season. Exactly. Exactly. So I think there's going to be, we're going to see progress. And I think we've seen little bits of incremental progress. It's just hard to tell because in the first four games, we've been completely overmatched by teams that are legitimately good teams. Not the, not the, you know, 20 mediocre teams. We've played four teams that are probably among, you know, the, the top 10 teams, top, you know, four of the top eight, nine, 10 teams in the league. It's true. And uh, of course the Dolphins, are now going to begin preparing for what I have decided we are going to call the Tua Bowl in week six, as the Dolphins will take on the Washington Redskins, who is one of the the Redskins are one of two teams in the NFL who I think are unintentionally tanking. We know the Dolphins are tanking on purpose, but the Redskins and the Broncos are out here just struggling. But what about the Jets and what about the Jets and the Bengals? 
That's true. The Jets and the Bengals, well, the, the Bengals have been competitive in their games, at least. The Jets, I guess, are also in the midst of an unintentional tank, but they also haven't had their quarterback for the past few games. So who knows if that's going to make a significant difference? It could. Uh, at any rate, the we're going to call the game against Washington Tua Bowl. I'm going to call Dolphins it Tua, Tua Bowl 1. Tua Bowl 1, because we still have another game with the Bengals later on the season, two games with the Jets. So there may be more Tua Bowls throughout the season. But this is, we don't call it Tua Bowl 1, it's just Tua Bowl. It wasn't Super Bowl 1, it was the Super Bowl. And then okay. it was historically called Super Bowl 1. Okay. So so, so this, is, like, this is the Tua Bowl... Uh, until we play the Jets in a, in a couple of weeks, and then we look back at it and we say, well, when the Dolphins played the Redskins in Tua Bowl 1 in Week 6. Yeah, well, I mean, if the Pittsburgh Steelers don't lose, I mean, don't win any more games, they, they looked pretty good against Cincinnati on Monday night. But the Steelers are not in the, in the, com, in the conversation. for Look, the, the Steelers pick may very well be a top 5 pick. It probably will be a top 10 pick. But they are not going to be in the conversation for for the number one pick. It's well, at least for good. now. At least for not now, good. this is Tua-Bowl. Perhaps in week nine when we face the Jets, that's Tua-Bowl two, and this will be known as Tua-Bowl one. But just like the original Super Bowl, just like the original Bud Bowl, this is Tua-Bowl, and it'll be Tua-Bowl one historically. Was the original Bud Bowl Budweiser versus Bud Light? I believe that was the original Bud Bowl, yes. Because I know there were a couple of Bud Bowls where Bud Dry made it to the big game. I think yeah. Bud Ice made it to one. You know, I think they needed to do more explorations of what the what the playoffs were like leading up to the Bud Bowl. Uh, those were really great commercials. What a great advertising gimmick the Bud Bowl was. I don't know about, I don't know if I would describe it as great, but it was it's memorable. Great. No, it was great. It was fantastic. The Bud Bowl, you were looking forward to the Bud Bowl commercials because you were invested in what happened in that game. I didn't have a rooting interest because the Dolphins got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. But well, those were the exciting. days those were the days where the Dolphins would make it to the second round. That's true. They were <laughs> this pre 2000. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I, I, I'm a big fan of the Bud Bowl. I'm looking forward to being a big fan of the Tua Bowl, where the winner is the loser, and the loser is the winner. That's the Tua Bowl, and that's coming up in week six. But before that happens, we're going to take some time away. We're not going to... Listen, there are other podcasts that are out there that are coming to you every single day, that are coming to you multiple times a week, and they may want to dive in and give you all stuff to to digest, to talk about over the course of uh, this bye week. We're going to take a step back. We're going to take a step back and take the bye week. We're going to enjoy our bye. <laughs> we got 12 more weeks of the absolute misery that is the rest of this regular season. Exactly. So we got to we got to enjoy this bye week. The Dolphins are not going to lose this weekend coming up, which that's a really great thing. It may be the only weekend in the entire season where the Dolphins do not lose. That's a really good point. That may be, this may be the week that the, the week where the Dolphins don't lose. Although I, I hear a lot of people on Dolphins Twitter getting a little bit of those cocky Dolphin fans saying the Dolphins are definitely going to beat the Redskins. I'm not so sure. In the, in I don't the, know. 
How can you, we're, we're negative 130. Look, I'm not going to say that we don't have a shot to beat the Redskins. I would not be surprised if we do. I don't know that I'm going to pick it, but to say that we are definitely going to beat anybody. If we played Alabama tomorrow or this, or this week, I wouldn't say that the Dolphins would definitely beat Alabama. But no, but I'm fairly convinced that Alabama would beat the Redskins at any rate. Listen, I, <laughs> in the immortal words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I don't know that the Dolphins are going to beat the Redskins, but we'll get into that next week when we, when we come back after we enjoy this bye week. In the meantime, Brain, uh, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Hopefully you're following us already. If you're not, come join the fun. It's never too late. Uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins, where you can get every episode of the show as well. And if you haven't done so already, and, and a few of you have been doing this recently, we appreciate it, leaving us a five-star rating and a positive uh, review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. We've had a few trickle in here over the past couple of weeks, which we appreciate. We hope that you will continue to do that. If you're a new listener or a listener that has been listening for a while and hasn't taken the time to do that, we'd appreciate it very much if you could help us out. It means a lot to us and helps other people find the show. So please do that as well. Of course, we're also in all the other places where you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. We're in all those places. So make sure you uh, check all of those out as well. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention DolphinsTalk.com, where every episode of The Same Old Dolphin Show can be found. DolphinsTalk.com is your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. There's news, there's columns, there's opinions, and there are lots of podcasts. There's film breakdowns with Anthony Saba. Uh, lots of great stuff over there at DolphinsTalk.com. So make sure you're visiting the website every single day. We will be back in a week's time to preview the Dolphins' Uh, fifth game of the season, their fourth home game of the season against the Redskins. If you'd have told me at the beginning of the season that the, well, I probably would have believed you, but the Dolphins are going to be 0-5 having played four of their first five games at home. It's pretty rough. Unless, of course, you're doing what the Dolphins are doing, which is losing on purpose so that they can get the number one pick in the draft next year. They are tanking for Tua as they get ready to look ahead to the to to the Tua Bowl. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking to my ball. Cause we're